to another episode of the Criterion Quest, a continuing podcast series looking at important films and contemporary classics. My name is Chris and I'm joined as always by my wonderful co-host, Ms. Lee Beatty. Hi! <laughs> and uh, speaking of um, important films and contemporary classics, we've got a, a pair, we've got a double feature episode this week. Yes, we've got Youth of the Beast, 1963, and Fighting Elegy, 1966. Both films by Senjun Suzuki. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's going to be an interesting one where I... You're wondering, like, had I seen many Suzuki films before? Um, yes. <laughs> I have seen two called uh, Branded to Kill and Tokyo Drifter, uh, spine numbers 38 and 39. Ah, okay. And we are now uh, 268 and 269, so a very long time ago. Do you remember much of them? Uh, yes, I remember some certain weird stylized coolness. Just kind of hip weird coolness that you kind of get quite a bit of in Youth of the Beast. But... Um, as usual with any of our double feature episodes, we're going to kind of look at one first and then kind of shift and go on to the second one, I guess. But at the beginning, I kind of wanted to just talk about, uh, Suzuki himself a little bit. Um, so what, you knew nothing about these, this guy or any of his films. No. Um, based on like titles and stuff or or, like the little kind of nuggets I'd said, what, what were you expecting, I guess? Um... Some, like you said before, stylized 1960s Japanese gangster. I don't think we talked about the second one, Fighting Elegy, but definitely I, I sort of knew what I was in for the, with the first one. Mm. Highly stylized, fun action. Yeah, just different. Um, this is a quote uh, about uh, from Suzuki about uh, the movies he made uh, that I think kind of encapsulates it uh, nicely. Uh, I make movies that make no sense and make no money. He has a fun sense of humor. Um, and what's interesting about him, like this, the first one we're going to do, uh, Youth of the Beast, is kind of one of the ones that really kind of put him on the map and made people kind of pay attention. Um, in in the lead up to Youth of the Beast, he, he I mean, even with Youth of the Beast, he's a B-movie director. Like, mm. it, it's schlocky genre. That's mm. what he's doing. Um, but uh, in the eight, he, uh, eight years of his career before he made Youth of the Beast, he had made 30 films Whoa. in eight years. <laughs> Jesus! Yep. Um, I just want to uh, read you some of the uh, brilliant titles. Uh, the Naked Woman and the Gun. <laughs> the Boy Who Came Back. <laughs> Young Breasts. <laughs> Age of Nudity. Oh my god. Young Breast 2. <laughs> the Sleeping Beast Within. Everything Goes Wrong. <laughs> Man with a Shotgun. The Wind of Youth group crosses the mountain pass. Uh, and then my personal favorite, which was the film he made right before Youth of the Beast, Detective Bureau 23, Go to Hell, Bastards! <laughs> With an exclamation mark. Uh, yeah, so he is all over the shop, like kind of exploitation films, and this is kind of him diving into like, let's 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 beef this up a little bit, I guess. Um, so we'll start it off as we usually do. I'll quickly read the plot synopsis from Criterion. Uh, when a mysterious stranger muscles into two rival Yakuza gangs, Tokyo's underworld explodes with violence. Youth of the Beast was a breakthrough for director Senjun Suzuki, introducing the flamboyant colors, hallucinatory images, and striking compositions that would become his trademark. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a little bit, like, but it's just like, uh, Criterion Collection is proud to present the film that revitalized the Yakuza genre and helped define the inimitable style 
of a legendary cinematic renegade. From the director of Young Breasts 2 comes <laughs> Youth of the Beast. Young Breasts 2. We're yeah. watching that. Yeah, no, I'm, I just like Police Bureau 2 and 3. Go to hell, bastards! <laughs> I like everything goes wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what happens in that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's I, it's very much an interesting film. I, I really enjoyed this one. I really enjoyed it too. Um, it And it is that you can really see that it's someone coming from the B genre, kind of like, hey, I've honed my skills on all this weird schlock stuff. Let's Let's see where we can go with this now, I guess. Mm. I like and I like the story of the it almost reminded me of um oh what's that Scorsese movie about raps? Oh the departed. <laughs> going it's like he's riding on these guys riding on those guys yeah. and then at the end he's a detective it turns out he's actually in it for this weird other reason for yeah yeah i mean but well let's be honest like the plot synopsis on the back of the criterion didn't do it actually much justice. no <laughs> so yeah yeah it was it was beautifully shot i think every shot was really well constructed but i also really like the story mm, yeah so br- break it down a little bit for us yeah like um you know, he, he muscles into town, like the synopsis says, and I love how we start at the, what I'm considering a Japanese titty bar of the 60s. Kind of, yeah. It's, it's like a cross between like a restaurant, a jazz club, and a burlesque yeah. club. Yeah. I like love all the clubs in this. There's another one that's all about telephones. It's yeah. It's so great. Well, I wonder if that's like, the, I, I thought that was kind of like the brothel hangout, like the, the uh, switchboard place maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he's just like having all the girls and he shoves ice down one of their birds. Because she's not paying attention <laughs> to, to him. Really like him, just sitting there miserable. And then, um, yeah, then gets taken out the back because he, like, it's all planned and plotted. Yeah. Um, we, we're not in on it, but we're following along wondering what's going on. And we go to that wonderful scene where it's the um, soundproof. Yeah, and it's all almost played out in this giant, beautiful one shot with like two way glass, and it's just so. Like, you're like, oh, and the camera moves, like, up, cranes up, comes back down, dollies across. Yeah. We can talk about the constructions of the shots, like, later in with the movie cinema and all sorts of things. But, um, yeah, so he's had this plot um, all along to infiltrate both um, Yakuza um, gangs to find the killer of his um, ex-police buddy. Yeah, it, it turns out he was actually a cop who... Um, was working with this other detective and they kind of got in over their heads with the gangs and um, he actually took the rap for this other cop and went to jail and things for it and, you know, lost his job, obviously. And while he was away, his former partner was taking care of his wife who was dying of tuberculosis. Like, it was this lovely, sweet thing. And now he comes out and his ex-partner has been... Well, it's a double suicide yeah. with a with a call girl, and he's like, "Mm-mm, this that doesn't, doesn't add up." So I'm I'm gonna pretend to be this weird hitman named Joe yeah. and infiltrate the Yakuza gangs and uh, find out what happened. Yeah, I love how he's always in control of whatever scene he's in. Like, for example, the scene where they the car drives, like, almost runs him over into the car park, mm. but then he takes control back and he goes through the car to the other side <laughs> where he's previously flicked his jacket so that he can just pull Get out his, his shotgun. Gun and, yeah. But oh, it, I love it. But that's the hilarious thing. It's kind of showing this wonderful ineptitude of the gangs mm. like and that's where i wonder if that's where like the title youth of the beast comes from it's like the you know, beast you think of this aggressive kind of force but it's like these guys are actually just kind of don't really know what they're doing, doing. yeah like the idea of like get in the car and it's just like all right well i'm just gonna hop out the other side because <laughs> there's nobody there 
<laughs> and it's like that similar thing. Like, you're so right about how he just controls. Mm. Like, from the second he appears on screen, you're just like... Yeah. Who is this guy? He's got that weird piercing stare. Yes. And his wonderful cheek implants. Yeah. Oh, man. That's... I'm actually being serious. Those are cheek implants. For what What reason? To make him more of an action star. How? <laughs> so, yeah, the actor um, is... His actual real name in real life is Joe Shishido. He actually got a bunch of plastic surgery done to kind of, I guess, make him look more Western, I guess. Oh. And got these massive cheek implants. I remember implants. him looking freaky, but I didn't want to sound racist. But no. I'm like, you don't look right. No, no, it's, it, he has, like, cheek implants That's to make fun. him, like, a round face. And he kind of was like... And the older he, there's some uh, great older movies uh, with him on the Criterion Channel, uh, like you know later in his career, like late '70s and stuff, and they're starting to like sag and get real. It's so weird. (laughs) It's like you know collagen before collagen, like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, enough about his physical. (laughs) (laughs) But because he's so distinct looking, he you just like, what is this dude's deal? Yeah. Where are we going with this? And yeah, the the control he has where. That, like, first scene where they, like, he's, you know, pours the ice bucket down the girl's dress and is causing a scene and so they're like, all right, buddy, time to go. Leave mm. the club. Um, not just that, but they'd also pointed out, like, hey, he's a guy who beat the shit out of... One this of other guy. Yeah. Um, and just the, yeah, well, I didn't bring any money. Like, like you said, it's all this play to meet the boss. But he's so cool, calm, and collected at no point... Like, even there's that other scene where he's getting the shit kicked out of him by the other gang... And he's, he's still just like, no, I got this because my friend's down outside the window with a shotgun. Mm. Like, I know what's up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of that, though, there are so many weird cuts in this film. Like a later scene, not that particular one, but a later scene he's being tortured. Yeah. And then he's just on the street walking around later. Yeah. And that I, I struggled a bit with time frames. Was this a flashback? Is this happening now? Is The flow of this film is really weird for me. Yeah, and I think that's coming from the kind of b genre stuff of Suzuki, like, previously in his career. Like, whether or not that's, like, the hyper-stylized elements of it or just kind of... I don't know, we, ne- we never, you know, you just do it. You just make yeah. these cuts and, you know, budget reasons and you but just yeah, kind of fly it, through. It was really awesome film and I really, really enjoyed it. But some of the cuts, I was like, hang on, where are we? What are we what's going on? I don't understand what's going on. Mm. Yeah. And, and the, I think what made it so entertaining is like, A, you've got like super cool characters like, you know, um, yeah, Joe, and then you've got, like, his weird little friend who, like, is like, you're me, go be buddy. <laughs> I loved him. He was great. Yeah. Um, well, but can I ask you a question? This is where I got confused. Women and alcohol are my weaknesses. And then later on in the film, he's like, that was my first drink. Yeah, because he, he's he's hyper aware of that would be his weaknesses, I he's guess. He's not actually, and he, he, like, fondles the statues, but he's never actually held a woman. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so he was just like... It's not, yeah, okay. It's, it's the, the preconceived notions of, like, I know these are going to be my weaknesses, and then it's the hilarious, the it, like, such beautiful, like you said, it's like the part, like a Scorsese playout scene of, like, the one time that he does actually indulge into his vices is the night he dies. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just like, oh, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> In yeah. that super weird room with all the plane models everywhere. Yeah. But that's, that's, like, that's like Pinnacle Suzuki, where it's just, like, it's just weird flourishes for the sake of... I don't know, let's put that in there. Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, but talking about the sets with the planes and stuff, I think that's where this film is awesome. Mm. There's some such cool um, shot constructions and things. I think my favourite is where, it's not a very nice scene, but I can't remember the name of the character, but he's the one with the mother 
and he's just he's an animal and he's beating up a woman and she goes oh. outside and it's windy yeah and it's like a weird almost desert landscape yeah. thing out there yeah and it i think she was i think she's the heroin junkie from earlier as well and yeah he's just beating the shit out of her and like making them all watch yeah and then it's like and then he it turns out he's a sadist and like sadist, what, that's yeah it. gets hard from Ugh. beating it's so like it's, it's dark, oh, but it's a beautiful scene shot wise. It's almost, and it's played out almost in time. And the way that it starts, where like the scene opens with her lying on the ground, and you see her in this black cocktail dress, and she's like, no, no. And you think it's similar to what had happened earlier when she was like fiending for the dope from him. And then she like rolls out of frame, and you see him like with a belt. Mm. And then she rolls back, yeah, and it's the, back. the reveal of, yeah, the back is, of the dress is torn open, it's all bloody and whipped. And it's like, this just all played out in a what like the single shot, the mm. single wide shot just revealed all this info for us. And then with the, when it ends up moving outside, it's a fucking, it's like keeping us totally detached from everything. Just like drink this in. This is this fucking world. These guys are in. Yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah. Similar to at the very beginning of the film, like before we're introduced to any of the characters, really, there's just like a B-roll shot of like the streets of Tokyo and like just gangs beating the shit out of each other. Yeah. And it's just like, I was like, oh, cool. This is where we're going to start. We're going to get, and it's like, nope, that is nothing. It's just setting the scene setting for, the scene, yeah. you know, this is a weird, violent, bizarre world we're entering. Yeah. But yeah, I suppose that scene for me was beautiful. Um, the cinema scene where um, Joe meets, Shinsuke? Yeah, Shinsuke. Uh, so the rival, rival Yakuza bosses is uh, Nomoto and Shinsuke. And they're in a cinema. And yeah. then it's just this film playing in the background. Amazing. But, but that as well, it's like such a beautiful little subtle telling you telling you everything you need to know in a visual way about these two rival gangs. Like, Nomoto is like, he's a hidden bot. He has like a hidden lair below a nightclub in the soundproof. And so... And he throws and knives and he kisses his cat. Oh, he's like he is like the pop culture Japanese um, version of Bluefield. He's got a cat, like the Bond villain. <laughs> and he's hidden away in his lair. Like, yes, it's so is. clearly like a little nod to this pop culture-y thing. Mm. And, like, it's everything's beautiful and, like, you know, ornate. And then the other one is in, like, this shitty office with a broken glass door in the back. Not even in the office above us anyway. Just, like, literally behind the screen. Screen, yeah. And it's just like, oh, this is... They are of... They're the same, like, you know, organize, like, you know, in the same business, but it's... Very different. Yeah. Yeah. But that whole playing out with, like, yeah, the imagery that's projected behind him, like, on the screen, like, mimicking what's happening in the scene. And, yeah. And the intelligence of Joe, like, I love when he's first making, making that deal with the boss, when it's just, like, everyone out, and the one gang guy is just like, no, I'm gonna, you know, fuck this, I'm gonna shoot this guy in the back, like, through the hole in the broken door. But it's like, no, Joe's smart enough to have, like turned and swapped them around so the boss's back is now and you're yeah. just like god damn this guy's the coolest you're genius <laughs> yeah. yeah no I loved his character and I loved yeah how controlled he was with everything there's only one scene where someone recognises him which ends up being a bit of his downfall at the end in the car where he honks the horn he's like hang on I know you yeah when it's like the we- it's doing the the heroin deal thing yeah. yeah yeah but he still manages to gain control back in that scene because he's able to play off the whole thing of like yeah i was a cop but like check my record i yes. went to jail for assault and embezzlement like yes. clearly i was not a good cop but yes. it, like it actually turns out he was like yeah and the the restraint with the with the revealing of the story like it takes a very long time 
before it's actually revealed he was a cop. Mm. Like, it, it's almost like an hour, at least, into... And the film's in, like, an hour 20, hour 30. It's a short film, really. I um, feel like we're, like, the bot, the uh, Yakuza Lords or um, bosses because we're finding out as they're finding out. Exactly. And I think that's what keeps our interest and makes it, you know, an interesting film to watch. Yeah, and there's these little, like, he, he sprinkles some breadcrumbs throughout, like, with, um, with Joe going to the funeral of the suicidal like you know the cop that has committed suicide in air quotes mm. um and you're just like huh there's something here i don't know what it, and he says yeah. like your husband was very kind to, to me, me at one point yeah but you don't know that they were partners yeah so he's been kind to him yeah and so it's like yeah like i said like sprinkling some little breadcrumbs along the trail to like get you there but then not hitting you over the head or not revealing it like 20 minutes into the movie it, it's it takes its time and builds yeah. up this great atmosphere that is just cool. Yes. This film is 100% cool. Yeah. Except for those chicks. They're not cool. Oh, debatable. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of the funeral, um, Kimiko, the detective that um, died's wife, I, I've got to admit with both of these films, not a lot of chicks. Nope. And not a lot of chicks um, in very... Good characters of shown in good ways. You mean the director of Young Breast 2 <laughs> to really respect women? <laughs> but I like that at the end, the wife is like the, not the mastermind, but... She was pulling the strings behind this all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I it's, that was cool. Because you don't see, like, you see her being all like, oh, you know... Demure. Demure and mild and going away to answer the phone and then coming back and... Actually, that just made me think, when she answered the phone, is that why those guys came to the... To the, oh. Yeah. Yeah, there's all these little things that are played out in the film where you, you think it's going one way and, like, you know, it's this big conspiracy involving, like, heroin deals and prostitutes and, like, a bro like you know, all this stuff. And it's like, ends up being like, no, no, not really. Like, it, it's kind of almost all of this stuff is a giant fake out and misdirection. It's it's going for that really classic kind of Dashiell Hammett, like, um, you know, Philip Marlowe, like, detective-y story thing, but twisted into the world of like yeah 60s jazz infused oh, i loved all the music and the costumes and the cars and the fashion and mm -hmm. the clubs and oh i mean apart from all the bad stuff i could totally live in that world it's, yeah it's so cool yes and uh the interesting thing like the one bit one of the few bits of trivia on this one i had was um that it is the this film is the major inspiration for miyazaki's film castle of cagliostro uh, Lupin 3. Mm. Yeah, which, like, the whole idea of, like, uh, you know, something set in the crime world and everyone wearing, like, fancy bright-coloured suits and yeah. the jazz music and stuff. It's, he, he was a, Miyazaki's a big fan of this movie and was just like, I'm going to take that style and yes. put it into my anime. Yes. Mm. I love that. Yeah, no, it's very stylish. I love, love, loved every second of it. But that would be, like, my, that's, like, my one, because I have a lot of fun watching this movie, but it's, like, my one asterisk is... And I think it's my, it was my complaint way the fuck back when with Branded to Kill and Tokyo Drifter. It's, they're super fun films to watch, but are they a massive example of style over substance? Yes. Yeah. Although I think Youth of the Beast has a good story. Yeah. Well, that, that's what I mean. It's super entertaining, but it's not exactly saying, or doing, yeah, <laughs> saying or doing anything. Yeah. Like it, it, the, the message... At, but uh, not to say that all films have, have to, to. It's 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 definitely a B grade in that way. Yes. Schlocky, fun, yeah. hyper stylized, hyper stylized. It it, um, it it's one where it's it's like watching like Sam Raimi films where it's like the Dutch angles and the weird camera moves and everything. You just like 
this guy knows how to shoot a fucking movie. Yes. Um, not necessarily to say story or to say something with his camera. Yeah. He's he's one of those guys that's doing it because it looks fucking rad. <laughs> it looks rad, but the, like I said before, there are so many hard cuts that were, you just were so confused where you were from moment to moment. But especially towards the end. Mm. Um, so definitely for me, start with the substance. And I mean, like the and the wonderful little stuff as well, like. I, I was kind of hoping for more of his bizarre flourishes, like um, the film opening in black and white and then going into yeah, color. Yeah, yeah. And then the scene where he's, like, taunting the, the junkie lady with the heroin and, like, he seems to, like, walk off into, like, the staircase. So weird. Yeah, and it's, like, him superimposed, like, and then she falls off the railing thinking, like, yeah. And she calls him a bastard like he intended to do it. Yeah. Like, how? So oh, it's, like, these weird hallucinogenic kind of yeah. images. I kind of want to... enough of it, though, to, to be... Like, do you know when it's just, like, once off? You're like, heh? Yeah, and, and then it's, like, it's, like, that moment, and then really, like, it's at the end credits where it's, like, this black and white image, but with, like, these superimposed, like, yellow... Oh, sorry, uh, pink flowers. You're like... Yes. Huh, that's super fucking striking and weird, but... Why? Yeah, yeah. could we have had a little bit more of that? More of that, yeah. And, again, like, the scene with the whipping, like, that's hyper-stylized and kind of hallucinatory as well. Like, yes. it's getting into that realm, but it, it seems to almost that stuff kind of falls to the wayside in for the sake of like, well, let's just have him pull his gun on this guy. Really cut, like really cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's all, either that or it's like, cause this is early on in his career. You know, this is only his 31st movie. <laughs> um, he's like developing that yes. trippiness, I guess. Yeah. Do you yeah. Have, so you've only seen earlier of his film. You haven't seen any later films, obviously apart from, um, uh, I want to say Branded to Kill was this exact same year. Okay. And Tokyo Drifter is, uh, I think, uh, 69 or something. Like, oh. it, it's way later. Yeah. And does he become more hallucinatory? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Cool. Yes. Very okay. much so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, no. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Branded to Kill. Sorry. 66 is the same year as Fighting Elegy. Ah, uh, so. okay. Yeah. Jesus. Mm-hmm. He likes to whip out. He's like a. <laughs> oh, what's that direct? Woody Allen. <laughs> Woody Allen makes heaps of movies. Oh, yeah, he makes them. Oh, used to. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody wants to see movies. Sorry. Sorry. I apologize for whatever Woody Allen impression. (laughs) Ah, jeez. But, yeah, it's... You're totally right. Like, it is... It's just a super enjoyable story that you can really get into and get... Like, it doesn't need to be anything deeper than what it is. And... The, the cinematography, the, the acting is so on point for what it is. Like, it's yeah. a genre fi- film. I, it's something I had written down, actually, the overacting in both films. Yes. Very comical. Yeah. I Especially when they're getting angry at each other and they say, I'm not going to do it because <laughs> it's... <a> oh. <laughs> <laughs> they're, like, just grunting like animals. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> It's great. I love it, though. I love it. Yeah, it's just, it's that high, which is, like, the interesting thing in kind of why these film, two films work kind of almost back to back. It's, like, examples of, like, unchecked male aggression, like, where, like, or you, like not knowing how to channel your, like, masculinity in oh, certain ways. Especially then, the second one. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, the music, the costume, cinematography, like, it's just so much fun to watch watch yeah um i I can imagine like say you're at a bar you know how some bars you'll just like there won't be any audio but they'll project something on the wall yes it'd be a great one for like yeah so pretty it's just a we yeah it's just a great 
fun yeah. little movie. Yeah, cool. Doesn't doesn't do anything or say anything deep. If you're just looking for some fun, great B grade. And I think that's why it's in Criterion and why it's acknowledged is because it's not just in Criterion, it's in like Masters of Cinema and stuff. Like wow. it's it, because I think it is that groundbreaking kind of punching through from B grade into the term I love to use, elevated schlock. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it is a B grade movie, but it's done so fucking well that you just like mm. rad. Mm. I mean on this. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Um, anything else on this one, or you, you're pretty good? Are you going to do trivia for both at the end, or...? Uh, yeah, I'll do it, oh, I'll do it f- trivia for, for them now. Um, it, it's very quick and easy. There, there's not much. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so this was the first of Suzuki's films to be shot in black and white in the opening, and then move into colour for the rest of the film. Uh, he would do this again with, uh, Tokyo Drifter in mm. 1966. Um, I talked about how pop art, jazz, colourful pent-up suits and things with this, uh, with the inspiration for Castle of Cagliostro, and that's it for trivia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we'll just quickly do the Criterion edition. So the film is still available from Criterion as a one-disc DVD, uh, and it comes with the special features of video interviews with director Senjun Suzuki and actor Joe Shushido, made by Nikatsu Productions in 2001 as well as original theatrical trailer and the usual booklet and essays. Uh, it's also available up on the Criterion channel, so... Yeah. So with that, let's move on to the head fuck of a film that is Fighting Elegy. What did I just watch? <laughs> yeah. So I, I, we watched both of these separately, and I, uh, I texted Lee a photo of me just, like, <laughs> bewildered. <laughs> Saying, like, this is the look on my face while watching the entirety of Fighting Elegy. Yeah, and I fell asleep early, but then I woke up at, like, 2 in the morning, but, like, really woke up bright awake, and then I'm like, well, I may as well use this time. So I watched this movie between 2 and 4 or 3 and 6, something like that. Oh, my good lord. It was probably the worst time to do it. You're like, I'm still asleep, aren't I? I'm so confused already. Yeah. Okay, so quick plot synopsis uh, from Criterion. High schooler Kiroko Nambu yearns for the prim Catholic Michiko, uh, but her only desire is to reform Kiriko's sinful tendencies. Hormones raging, Kiroko channels his unsatisfied lust into the only outlet available, savage, crazed violence. <laughs> yes, he does. Fighting Elegy is a unique masterpiece in the diverse career of Senju and Suzuki, combining the director's signature bravura visual style with a brilliantly focused satire of machismo and fascism. Yes. So. What's machismo? Like, uh, masculinity. Like, uh, the idea yeah. of being a ma- like a macho man. <laughs> oh, a macho man. I know that. That's yes. where machismo comes from. <laughs> gotcha. Well, macho comes from machismo. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. Um, yeah, so... I did not know what to expect from this. Like, based off of that synopsis, I'd, ne- like, never seen these... Um, hearing, like, hormones raging and, like, he's unsatisfied lust, he channels it into crazed, savage violence. I'm like, this is gonna be, like, an action movie where this kid goes out at night and, like, beats the fuck out of people or, like... I was not expecting it to be a comedy. I was, you know, wondering that. I was... (laughs) (laughs) You've got some pent-up rage after that. is this a comedy? What is going on here? Yeah, it is. It's like a comedy. It's a satire. It's a drama. It's a fucking action. It's it's weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's everything all at once. Yes. Um, and I kind of 
love it? I don't know. <laughs> I know. I'm with you. I think I don't love it. Yeah, it's. But I, I, oh, I don't know. I think I think I, I love, love movements. I of love it. it for being what it is and trying to do what it's doing. But I don't know if it effectively pulls it off. <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, it is a fucking wild ride of a film. It is. With and you talked about how in Youth of the Beast, there's over the top heightened performances. Good Lord yes, Almighty! Yes, yes. <laughs> like, He's him trying to like at the piano get his like Willie. Oh yeah, his, him, him playing a piano with his his erect dick is like wait, what are we doing? Yeah, but even when she's trying to teach him how to play, he's tr- he's got his like legs pressing together to try and hide. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of there's. I was not expecting there to be so many scenes about hiding boners yeah. in this movie. <laughs> First one where he's got his jacket and he's pulling his jacket down over the over his crotch. Yeah, I'm like, no, is that what he was doing? It, yeah, no. and then it, it's like over later on in the film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but okay, so he's a Catholic schoolboy who is fallen in love with his neighbor, who is also a Catholic schoolgirl, and then it's he meets a man named Turtle. Yes, <laughs> Turtle, <laughs> who. Who basically is just like that is not like you know you need to channel that anger that you know your that mo- your yeah. mojo I guess into like this more you know into these things that that's not a masculine thing to do to yes. like succumb to a woman I guess I I've got to admit I hated this film and the reason was is because being with women or being around women makes you a sissy yes and that's like, so of course I hated it but 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 that's the kind of it, it's clearly a, making fun of that yeah, yeah like half about like halfway through this film I kind of Claire watched this with me I leaned over and was like <laughs> this is like 60s Japanese fight club almost yeah. it's yeah. like this satirical look at like what especially young men that's why it kind of I mean that's my one of my big problems is these guys are supposed to be teenagers but they're clearly yeah, middle school they're, they're clearly 40 yeah and it's like this guy has a pension <laughs> like, <laughs> he's playing a 17 year old um, but you know putting all that aside you're like it, the fact that this is these are teenagers who have no idea what it is actually to be a man like yes. you know in air quotes a man yes and so they think it's it's the most base primitive monkey brain th- like yeah. you know, lizard brain thing of like that well that you know to be strong to be aggressive to be that is to be you know independent in charge of your own thing like life and not letting you know yeah any like especially a woman be in charge like yeah. it's it's so over the top that it's like this is just bonkers and s- satirical yes but I get, I get, obviously, that you just no, like, no, I don't no, appreciate no, no. <laughs> I, 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 I understood that it was making fun of it, but I'm like... But it's not enjoyable still to it's watch. It's still not enjoyable, yeah. But it, it's so crazy that it it's like a rapid-fire pace right at the beginning. Like, he, he gets erections around this girl and, like, you know, meets this guy, Turtle, who's just like, that's... that. No, I can't have that now. Come, come with me and I'm going to, like, train you. To like in the wa- forest, in the forest, to walk on like spears of bamboo, and then like walk through town like on the back of your heels with your head held high, like a proud <laughs> man. And then that wonderful scene of him just like strutting, and oh. everyone in the town like a guy falls off his bike from <laughs> laughing at him. It's like this big like I'm like holy shit, this is a flat out comedy of yeah. like there's like right away like this scene of like look at this fucking idiot. Yeah, like it. it I reckon po- if I'd watched it with you. And at a time that wasn't two in the morning, I probably would have laughed a lot more. But I yeah. think I was just so confused oh, about yeah. what was going on. Yeah. It, and then, well, that's it. it. Like, from that goes to 
all of a sudden he's joined a gang and it's so fucking hardcore. They're like sewing razor blades into their hats and stuff. Yeah, and, and that spiky... The mace thing. Mace thing. Like, like kills a snake in the movie. Oh, for, like, yeah. I had to look away at that. Um, yeah, like this, this isn't like a teenage boy gang having a bit of rough and tumble. This mm. is like, I'm going to fuck you up. Yeah, they're aiming to like murder each other. Yeah. But that's why I was like, it's like Fight Club where it is this idea of... You know, satirically pointing out the the trappings of masculinity and how like ridiculous they can be, and putting it to this extreme level. That they're doing that here exactly. But what kind of makes this interesting as it goes along is it seems to take that initial idea of like pent up masculinity and aggression and shines a light onto it on like a militaristic level yeah and like pointing out like the, it's very clear like this film is set in the 30s and it's like the the war between japan and china that like would then lead to japan's involvement in the second world war like it's it's that time i was waiting yeah. for some um of that to come in i'm like second that the, the 1939 was it set or 1930 something? Oh, it was like late, yeah, late 1930s. Something like that. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is an interesting time to set a film. Yes, That's and the, especially a film about pent up aggression and yeah. you know the idea of Ultra being nationalism. Yeah, so it has those elements that you just like. Okay, I I see what you're doing here. Yeah, it's a little, but maybe is is what he's trying to say. It's as silly. That sort of stuff is as silly as teenage boys trying not to masturbate. I don't know. <laughs> Kinda, I guess, to some degree. Like, you know, it's that thing of, like, yeah, or, like, the idea of... uh, I mean, maybe maybe not the masturbation stuff, but, like, um... I'm just trying to connect some dots. Like, like when he gets to the point of, like, he he has to move town and stuff because of, you know, he's going to get expelled and yada, yada, yada. He... because he's been running with the wrong crowd. Well, I'm like, oh, this is just, like, a comedy version of, like, Rebel Without a Cause at this point, almost, which is kind of fun. Like, and you've got, like, Kumiko, uh, Michiko, sorry, as, like, you know, the, the Natalie Wood character and things. Like, oh, this is fun. But then he has to move town, um, and he goes to the country to stay with his uncle, and then it just turns into an all-out fucking war. Yeah. And it, between, like, the local gang and, like, him who refuses to join their gang and, like, the few other outcast people, like, the five or six I of them. I got so lost at that point of the film. Yeah, that's where it turns out all of the... Like, that's where it's, like, really getting into that whole, like, satirical look at fascism and, like, the, the, the nature of war, where it's, I think, him being, like, how fucking... Ins- how this just ramped up so quickly... And it just starts with, like, one of the guys making a declaration of, well, we are going to fight now. Yes. And then it turns into this all-out war of, like, 50 teenagers trying to murder each other. It's just, there were such long, long, long fight scenes. The, are you thinking of the one, like, in the um, little farm field with, like, the muddy water yeah. bucket thing? Like, it shoves someone down a well. Yeah. And then when it gets to the actual war and the fight thing, it goes for so so long i was so bored and my thing the, the what came to my mind was it's because it, it seems like he's what he's wanting to do is a satirical slapstick fight like there's a lot of like goofiness to the mm. way that they're fighting but the problem is he's shooting it like a samurai film everything's really wide shots everything's drawn away from the action and we're kind of just presented it as this flat tableau whereas for comedy fight you want to get in there you want to like almost three stooges it like get Uh. right in on close-ups and like 
heighten it in that, like Sam Raimi is the ultimate example of making, taking something horrific or action and making it goofy and yeah. fun. Like, no, um, I think there were moments, but it wasn't probably enough. Like yeah. it wasn't overt enough. Yeah. It was and just a bit full on. And the fact that there's no real resolution as well is a bummer. Um, so this is actually based off of a classic novel. Um, and this was only the first half of the book. Because that was the thing, like, I started to get into it towards the end, like, with, like, oh, I get what they're doing with this whole, like, bring it into the war stuff that's coming in now. Like, this is, okay, I'm, we're saying something, we're doing something here, this is interesting. And then the reveal of, like, oh, shit, like, you know, rebels have come in and killed the prime minister and, like, war is happening. And then he sees the flyer saying, like, the guy who's leading the rebellion is the fucking principal. And he's like, let's go to Tokyo and join. Credits. Like, wait, what? Yeah. What, 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 yeah. what? Blink and you miss it. Yeah, and it's, you're just almost like, no, but this is, this is what I want to see now. What's happening? Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, it, it was only the first half of the novel that was adapted and he was planning on doing the second half, uh, but got fired. <laughs> so. Do you know why he got fired? No, I think it was because of, like, branded to kill, like, issues on that set. And then, yeah, he. So this was only meant, like, to be part one of a longer story. That's why yeah, it sort of ended with Yeah, and it's, and it's never been made that whole second half and things. And So Michiko had a weird ending, too. She comes to say goodbye to him. I'm joining a convent because I've got my physical problems with my body or something. Yeah, I viewed that as maybe she had been. Actually a man. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Your body's perfect. I have a dick. Um, no, I, I thought that might have been she was assaulted or something. Like, she's not pure anymore. Like, she, oh. yeah, lost her virginity, you know, whether, like, I don't know. That was just, wow, like. Wow, I did not get that. I, I mean, just the fact that she feels so shameful about, like, it just made me assume it was something. Like that. Like I was that. thinking she had, like, some. Like an extra vagina or a hideous birthmark or something like that. That's where my mind went. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got a tail. <laughs> That's why I play the piano so good. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's... Yeah. Oh, sorry, and then from your... Yes, so she comes to see him. She kisses that piece of paper. She goes, no, no, no. You can't don't, me. don't follow me. Don't and follow me. And that wonderful scene through the, through the doors. Love, they were actually, yeah, we'll get into some really cool scenes. But, um, yes, so she comes, she says goodbye, she gives the paper, they do a little touchy of the hands. Uh, if you follow me, I'll die. And then she drops her holy cross and she's being pushed out of the way by soldiers. Mm -hmm. And then she flops down in a field. Mm -hmm. And why? I don't know. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it is, I, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a very, like, you know, the war and, like, again, because I, we have the close-up of, like, the trampled cross in the snow and things, and it's the thing of, again, I guess, a woman being pushed aside for the sake of machismo and hyper-masculinity or these ideas of it. And it's it's not just a woman being pushed aside, but it's also the idea of God and religion and anything. Yeah. And, and, and in particular, for this, for Michiko, it's the thing that she holds most dear in her life. Like, men don't give a fuck about yeah. what you think, what you care about, anything like that. Just get out of our fucking way. We're yes. going off to do our silly wars and fighting. Yes. Fighty fights. Fighting with fighty fights. Yeah, which is, like, why it's fighting elegy. Like, you know, it's, yeah, it's a yeah. giant, like, hey, everybody, you know this is fucking dumb, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Use your words. <laughs> 
so it's 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 interesting, but it is it's 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 subtle in that way, mm. and it's like those little moments like that that are fantastic are housed in weirdness. Like when he arrives at the new school, and every time they say the name Azio, it cuts into an extreme close up on the person's mouth saying yes. it. Yes, and you're just like, wait, what the fuck are we doing? Like it's so weird. Oh my weird. god, that hurt my brain. And the the bit where they're like duck, duck, duck to the the weird the um, teacher it's like the, the meek. Yeah, and then all of a sudden they like mo- oh yeah the split screen the stuff. Split screen teacher class teacher class teacher class, and yeah. There's so many little bits like that. Mm. I like that. Yeah. I wanted more of that. Yeah, that's Less it. Less fighty McFight fight, more... Well, that's what I mean. Like, he's so clearly being playful with his filmmaking style, that, but it just sucks that when it gets to the action, it's... It's missing... Bland all, as fuck. It's missing all that fun that he was having. Yeah. yeah it, I mean, it's it's in there in some regard. Like, in that first kind of war scene, when his dad shows up in the police after, he's like, you get the fuck down here right now! <laughs> Like, that, that was great and fun and silly and playful and, like, the music's used to kind of, you know, heighten that mood. But then when it is that massive eventual fight scene between the two gangs, you're like, I, this is like, 20 minutes of just oh, flat static. Painful. And and it's like, I, I get it. Is it. Or is that almost the point where it's just like, we've been building up and this idea of fighting and like, you know, violence is like the be all end all. This is like what we need to get to. And then when we get to here, it's like, Hey everybody, it's fucking boring. Yeah. Is that the point? Oh, that he's just like, this is not like, this is not the thing that we idolize. I suppose. Yeah. If he had a shot it in his fun, cool way, it would have idolized it a bit more. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if anyone ever sets out to make a boring film. Although, what did he say about his films? Oh, I make I make films that don't make sense and don't make money. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, he's he's a weird little feisty dude. So, um, yeah, it it's an odd one, especially coming the fact that if you were to watch these two films not knowing, you'd clearly think that Fighting Elegy was made before Youth of the Beast, right? Yeah, totally. Because it has seems to be so much more of a slap shot cut not not even the fact that it's black and white but like the fact that it's so it's not as well made sloppily yeah made. but that's I thought Youth of the Beast was very well made obviously the things I mentioned like the weird cuts and stuff but very very well made like mm. I love that film um, but this one feels like a very early in your career, discovering your craft, figuring it all out. Yeah, like like you said, those like split screen moments, teacher and yeah. class. Like there's, but it's just marred by and, and like it's fucking funny and it's got something going on, but it's it drags and it only goes for like an hour twenty. Oh man, <laughs> and that fucking ending. I'm like, oh okay. What? <laughs> yeah, and I think that is the thing because it was a very popular book in Japan and things, and you know, this is back in the 60s, like, you know, not expecting to have, you know, two people in Australia in 2020 watching yeah. it. Like, you know, you didn't, you know. He's not yet. And I guess we don't have the context of having read the book and knowing all of that, so. No. Benefit of the doubt, but at the same time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know. I, I kind of I loved it, but I kind of don't. Yeah. Like, if that makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Um, any any final thoughts on a fighting elegy? Not really. The only thing I had circled was um, Catholicism. It's an interesting one. I don't know the history of Japan or when that happened, but what, what was the last film we did called? Kagamusha. They had um, the Catholic priest or the Roman Catholic priest yep. in there. and I don't know. It's interesting. I'm just wondering how long it's been there for. Maybe some of our listeners might. <laughs> uh, I think it was like the 60s. 
1600s they wow. started to try and bring it over or it could even be earlier because that's what Martin Scorsese's amazing film Silence is all about if you've never seen Silence holy shit go watch it it's a one of Scorsese's I dare say best films it's fucking incredible but nobody saw it because it's about it's three hours long and it's about two Jesuit priests trying to bring Catholicism to feudal Japan like it's not and this is coming off of like I made Hugo in the Department. <laughs> like you know it's it's a it's him doing one of his weird passion project films and it's amazing, um, but that's what that's all about and the um, the basically if you were a Catholic a Catholic and you tried to convert people you would essentially be crucified burned at the stake or like you know put in jail and tortured like mm. no 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 none of that none of that Jesus talk in this country <laughs> like it's very it's very cool yeah yeah awesome. I mean not the murdering people for their religious belief but yeah. you know what I mean you know what I mean. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, a, any final thoughts on Suzuki films in general? Yeah, you've, you've watched two in the last day, so... Yeah, um, I'm intrigued. We've probably got some more coming up, don't He we? has two more in the collection. Okay. Um... Are they well away or late? Uh, which, uh, I think they're still a while away, but they are, uh, Gate of Flesh and Story of a Prostitute. Oh! <laughs> Excited. Uh, now that I've seen these two films, I'm kind of getting where he's going with it, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so uh, Gate of Flesh is 1964, Story of a Prostitute 1965. So in between Youth of the Beast and uh, Fighting Elegy. So mm. yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get a little bit more of him. Um, if you, Since you dug Youth of the Beast, I would actually really recommend going back and checking out uh, Branded to Kill Tokyo Drifter. If you're just wanting some fun, yakuza-y, yeah. hyper-stylized, jazz-infused, colourful... Yes. Weirdness. 100%. Yeah. I loved it. And it makes me think, like, again, like, Tarantino must love him as yeah, well. Yeah, that's like, what I was thinking. I was thinking um, in Kill Bill 1 where they've got the five, six, seven, eights, like, that whole bar scene. I'm like, this is probably the, an influence for that. Yeah, they're, they're, like, hyper-stylized, colourful, jazz-infused. Yeah. It, it's the funny thing of, like, it's an American filmmaker kind of paying homage to a Japanese filmmaker who's paying homage to American culture. Like, it's this I love weird... It. Yeah. That's great. I love it. Hmm. But, uh, we'll just quickly go through the Fighting Elegy. Uh, so it's available as a one-disc DVD. Uh, it's also available on the Criterion channel. And it comes with original theatrical trailer and the usual booklet and essays the Criterion do. No trivia whatsoever on this one. Cool. Um, yeah, it was... It was there's not much out there on this, so... Do you know how it was received? No, not really. No. Um, I looked up Youth of the Beast wasn't well received at the time. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, Youth of the Beast has now gone on to be reconsidered as, like, elevated schlock. Like, this yeah, kind of yeah, cool... Yeah, yeah. Masterpiece of cool... Uh, fighting Elegy, I think, was people were just like, the fuck is this? <laughs> like, you... <laughs> That's what I was hoping. <laughs> yeah, like, you adapted, like, this classic novel that has meant a lot, like, you know, this big thing. Lot, yeah. Which is why he didn't get to be able to make the second half. It's just like... He, no. <laughs> like you said, he makes films that make no sense and no money. Yes. So people are just like, you're fucking weird, man. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, we'll go off and make Story of a Prostitute. <laughs> 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 yeah. I know, I, I, I like his... It, Stick to your titty films. It's interesting, his movies, and I'm never... You're never bored. I was never bored watching Fighting Elegy, even as much as I was confounded by it. I was bored in those long fight scenes. Yeah. I, I was I was instantly in. Yeah. I remember being like, all right, cool, I'm in. Yeah. But, um... You, you're trying to make sense of what's going on because it's so disjointed and so strange that you're just like, what is this? Yeah, that yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's so odd that you're not disinterested. I would say that Fighting Elegy had more to say. Yeah, definitely. Whereas Youth of the Beast... 
just made a lot more sense and was just a lot a, more cool. And was a better constructed and made film, yes. I think. Yeah. Um, but I guess that'll probably wrap us up for uh, uh, your first double feature episode, Lee. Mm. Uh, are you ready for another? Sure. What have we got next? <laughs> next up, we have got two Jacques Becker films. We've got Cask d'Or and Touche Pas au Grisby. I don't know anything about Good. Them. I Nin- like when you don't know anything. We're on the same playing field. Yeah. Uh, 1952 and 1954 uh, for those films. And I think, I'm pretty sure Touche Pas au Grisby stars Jean Jabin. Oh, yes, it does. I just clicked on the page and there's his fat, gorgeous face. <laughs> Look at this. He looks like 1930s oh French uh, Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> yeah. I, I like John Jabin as an actor, so uh, I'm, I'm intrigued, I guess. I know yeah. nothing else. But um, otherwise, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, as usual, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the Criterion Quest, or you can send us an email at thecriterionquest at gmail.com. We do love hearing from all of our wonderful listeners, so feel free to drop us a line. Um, otherwise, we've got our Patreon. Yes, we do. Mm. When, what, where are we at with that, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we're, uh, we have just wrapped up doing our, uh, our triptych of horror commentaries, uh, looking at game-changing horror films, where we did Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Scream, and Hereditary. And uh, we're about to start uh, on the uh, 1st of January, a brand new set, mm. and we're going to look at uh, animated films. Super excited. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if, if you're interested in that, just uh, head over to patreon.com slash the Criterion Quest. Um, I'll link to it in the episode description. Uh, it's five bucks a month. Uh, you get, all, like I said, uh, monthly commentaries. I'm going to start dropping some new video content over there as well. There's one up at the moment, um, but there'll be more coming. Um, but, yeah, so thank you to anyone that's already there as a subscriber. If not, uh, come on, head on, <laughs> head on over and help us out. Uh, helps us produce the show. Keep it going. Um Enough shilling our wares. <laughs> Let's wrap this thing up. What am I, a Senju and Suzuki film? I'm just rambling yeah. at this point. Um, thanks for listening, everybody, for this week's episode. I'm Chris. I'm Lee. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.